We want fulfilled, happy lives. Like that's what we want. We want to be able to look back on our life and go, I'm glad I spent my time doing that thing. Most people don't get there. Instead of popping up out of the matrix and going, what truly matters to me? They just go based off of the dopamine, society, what their parents said, something else, and they chase that thing. That's the equivalent of you know every time you leave the casino, you feel like crap. But sitting at the slot machine feels so damn good. So you just pull it again, and you pull it again, and you pull it again. But eventually, you leave the casino, and you're full of regret and despair. That is us not having a level of awareness that us pulling on this slot machine, even though right now it feels good, is not serving us in the long run. We need that level of awareness of what the things are that actually create joy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. As always, I'm here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Hello, how are you, Ben? Doing good. I'm pretty pumped up, Patrick. Good. I'm excited about this episode. Uh, what we've got this week, listener questions about improving our overhead squats while minimizing the possible uh, possibility of injury, the, idea, the ideal body fat percentage for those of us who want to kick ass into our 90s, and how to make a decision around getting surgery. Uh, for our workout, we are returning to our list of frame, uh, frameworks, revisiting and revising one we first introduced in February of 2022. I'm excited about this one. This one feels like a very big one for us. And so I'm excited to get back into it with you. And then we're going to wrap up with a cool shout out from a badass listener. And we will mm. uh, each recommend one thing we're reading, listening to, doing whatever that we think uh, that we recommend that you do as well. All right. Our warm up. We start each episode with your questions about the five factors of health. Those few fundamental behaviors most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, how we connect, and how we recover. We've got three questions as we always do. If you would like to get a question into the queue, uh, head to www.chasingexcellence.email. The link is also in the show notes. Uh, sign up for the free newsletter, and every week we will send you a link to a form, and you can submit your own. All right, we've got questions in the move, the eat, and the think categories. We'll do move first, as we always do. This is from Georgie. Uh, I am having a hard time improving my overhead squat. As I descent into the squat, my elbows turn back, leading to a weak lockout position at the bottom. Uh, after overhead squat workouts, I feel the strain uh, on my elbows and shoulders, and I'm worried that in the long run, this may lead to injury. What are a few accessory exercises I can do to mitigate this? It's not as simple as, um, well, Georgie, go do this. Because I think mm -hmm. we actually truly have to assess what the issue is. Um, and the reason for that, I know you're saying your shoulders and your elbows. Here's the weird thing is if you have no ankle mobility, you're going to feel mm -hmm. that in your shoulders and your elbows. There is an inverse relationship between your shin angle and your torso angle. Meaning if you have no ankle mobility and your shins can't travel forward, it's called dorsiflexion. If you can't dorsiflex, your shins have to stay completely upright. In order for you to get down below parallel, your torso then has to have a huge inclination, almost to the point where it's parallel to the ground. If that's the case, think about what has to happen to your shoulders in order to keep that barbell in line with your heels. 
Mm-hmm. It's a huge stress on the shoulders. So the first place I would go for Georgie is not here's how to get better shoulder or elbow or stability or flexibility. It is truly assess what the issue is. And is it your ankles? Is it your hips or is it your shoulders? And the easy, let's start with the hips because it's actually the easiest one is if you can get below parallel easily in a air squat, it is not your hips. Okay. And that's where most people are when they start to identify this weirdness that happens in a front squat. By the way, um, used to train uh, Becca Voigt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's supposed to go your strength. You're supposed to be able to back squat the most. This is kind of obvious for people to do this. Back squat the most front squat the next, and then overhead squat the least, right? It mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Think about where that barbell is resting. Barbell, it's really secure on you. Front, it's uh, it's on your shoulders, but not mm-hmm. really supported by as much. And overhead squat, it's up in the air above your head. So it would make a lot of sense that your overhead squat is significantly less than your front squat. Becca could overhead squat more than she could front squat. That's crazy. Why the, why the heck is that? It's because you had limited ankle mobility. So if you have limited ankle mobility, think of what's happening in that front squat now. Your torso is coming all the way forward. There's nothing to support the bar other than your wrist. Whereas if you have great shoulder mobility, you can actually just kind of wrench those things back and now the bar is supported over you. Really bad for the shoulders, but you can overhead squat more. So <laughs> the first thing we want to do is assess where is the issue? Is it your hips? Is your ankles? Is it your shoulders? Here's the easy ones. Backtracking again. Can you get all the way easily below parallel? In an air squat, it is, if you can, it is not your hips. Um, For the ankles, um, really simple, is um, place your fist. So um, face a wall, put your fist at the corner of the floor and the wall. Then put your toe facing the wall, a fist distance away. Then without your shoes on, flat feet, can your knee touch the wall? If you can, it's not your ankle mobility, then it truly is your shoulders. Now we can answer Giorgio's question, mm-hmm. uh, Georgie's question, Georgie, yep. which is, what do we do? And it's a matter of um, um, improving shoulder mobility. Um, I actually don't think for most people it is the shoulders. I think for most people it is the ankles because um, they just can't get down to depth and then their elbows necessarily bend and so on. Um, but if you have, here's that test for shoulder mobility. If we want to do that one, lie face down, your uh, forehead on the floor, your feet on the floor, hold a PVC pipe, shoulder width distance in front of you with locked out elbows. And can you get a full fist off of the ground with straight arms as you lift the PVC off the ground? That's a pass. We'd love to get a full thumb distance, uh, fist and a thumb distance distance off. That would be what we're truly looking for because that allows you to know you can get the bar in line with your heels. Your heels are off the ground because your toes are on the ground when you're lying face down. So um, those are the three assessment tests. From there for that, it's just a matter of working on shoulder mobility. Um, Really the one we want to work on, there's a lot of different shoulder positions, internal, external rotation. There's a lot of different stuff. We're really looking for is that overhead position. Here's the simplest one that I've actually found the most benefit with, down dog. So Mm. think about um, what a down dog looks like. Hands, elbows, shoulders, and hips all in a straight line. That's what we're looking for in overhead squat. So not only that, it's loaded, 
Not only that, it's active. So we can actually kind of work through this. Hang out there if you can. You're allowed to kind of move around, kind of like drive one heel, bend the other knee, you know, corkscrew the upper body, lean into one armpit, then the other. But we're really looking for you to hang out there for upwards of 90 seconds to two minutes. Um, if you are able to lock out your elbows and get that stacked, that's not that big of an issue. If you can't, it's a really big issue. So then from there, if you find something particularly tight, just lean into that thing. Maybe it's your lats. In that case, you do that kind of traditional overhead stretch where you put your hand behind your head, grab your elbow, pull it down behind you. There's band distractions where you kind of grab a band against the wall, let it kind of pull it towards the socket as you rotate through. There's a lot of different things we kind of work to um, open up your shoulder. Um, you can easily just go onto YouTube and go like banded shoulder mobilities and you'll find tons of cool, awesome stuff. But that's the, uh, that's the, the, the protocol to be able to assess, then address. You have to root the cause before you just kind of go like, here's what I'm going to do to fix this thing. So um, understand what it is that needs to be fixed first. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, next one is from Brian. Next question is from Brian. It's in our category. Talk often about kicking ass into your 90s. Is there a target body fat percentage to do that? Something that's healthy to maintain throughout life. Uh, asking as a lifelong CrossFitter with a goal, uh, without a goal of, to compete, but rather to be a fit dad. Yeah. So um, for fit dad, I would say 15%. Um, for a, a female, you add 5%. So that's 20%. If you're in your 30s and 40s, and you're in that 15 to 20%, that's awesome. That's kind of on the fringe of being able to see abs, right? And that's mm -hmm. kind of, it's not about aesthetics, it's about health. That means that, you know, you're not carrying around tons of extra body fat, which is associated with better health. So um, also functionality and ease of life and all of the rest. It's not a matter of just looking good um, in a bathing suit. It's actually about um, the perform the, 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 your ability to perform f and feel good, look, you know, all of that. So mm -hmm. that's a kind of nice ballpark, whether you're plus or minus 3% on that, no big deal. Meaning if you're 12 or 18, probably not the biggest deal. If you're plus or minus six or seven, I would, I would start to think about things. Um, meaning if you're, you know, if you're 45 and you're 8% body fat, um, I would, if, unless it's for crazy genetic purposes, we might be leaning too far into that category. Um, you know, like we, we could get better balance in our life. I would really rather see people around that 11, 12, 13% than I would around that six, seven, 8% as a 45 year old. Um, for females, again, just add 5%. And then what I would do is add three to 5% for every decade of life. So mm. if you're in your, around your 40s, it's 15%. If you're in 50s, it could be closer to, um, um, you know, closer to the 20% and so on. You know, I don't, I'm not going to say like, you know, when you're in your 80s, it's okay to be 35%, but kind of that idea that it is a sliding scale and we are going to um, increase a little bit of body fat as we age. Um, but yeah, for a fit dad, 15% uh, is a kind of nice place to, to hang out. Is that, is body fat percentage one of the, you know, maybe there's five, 10, 15, whatever metrics that you would want to look at that we would want to look at as a checkpoint of like, okay, I'm in, I'm, I'm in fit dad category here. Is that a good one? Or is that a not yeah, in your mind, one of the better ones? Uh, it is, but you don't need to know it. Cause if you told me all of your performance metrics, I would know it. Got Meaning it. it's, it's symptomatic, not causal. Got meaning, it. meaning it, because you have low body fat does not mean you necessarily have performance. If you have performance, you by necessity have the appropriate level of body fat. 
What the heck does that mean? It means that if you have 11% body fat, I still don't know anything about how many pull-ups you can do, what you can squat, what your deadlift is, what your mile time is. But if you tell me you have, you can do 45 unbroken kipping pull-ups, you can back squat 365, you can run a six minute mile and you can deadlift 405. Um, I'm like, dude, you don't have to tell me your body fat. I got just, it's, <laughs> right. I'm, we're good. You know, right. you have a 30 minute fr- Murph time. Like it was, we're, we're there. Got it. Love it. Last question we've got in a think category from John. Over the summer, I fractured a couple of vertebrae in my neck while mountain biking. Luckily, after 12 weeks on the couch, I was given the all clear from the dock. I'm now 100% functional in my daily life with no pain, and I can run, ski, and bike, all very important to this Colorado native. Uh, Colorado resident, I should say. Unfortunately, as a consequence of the injury, presumably from nerve impingement or damage, my right pec and lat don't really work anymore. Before July, I could max out reps of strict body weight movements in multiples of 10. Now a single push-up is all I've got. So my question, do I leave well enough alone and accept that this is my new normal, for which I'm very grateful, or do I pursue a fusion of the C6, C7 with the inherent risks and recovery and less than 100% chance that it will restore function in my right arm. How would you think about this decision for what it's worth? I'm 45 years old. Okay. So, okay. Two quick things. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to move to Colorado, <laughs> like ski, bike, run. That's awesome. Yep. Very important. Yep. Like I hear that. I'm like, damn, like, yeah, we should, yeah, let's go to Colorado. Let's, let's bring the show right? to Colorado. I love that. <clears throat> um, and then the next is, um, it resonates bro, because I had a fusion. I've, mm. I've had spinal fusion. Um, so I had to go through this decision process. Um, mine was in L4, L, mine was L4, L5. So it's lumbar. So I don't, I, I'm not qualified and I'm not the person to say what you should do, um, but I can give you the thought process. And the reason I, if it was L4, L5, I would be like, dude, this is my experience. This was what, you know, I would suggest, but it's so different where it is. Um, L4, L5 requires very, very, very little mobility. Um, and actually it's kind of like, you know, think about how much can you can move your lower back. It's just mm-hmm. not a lot mm-hmm. as opposed to your cervical spine, which is up a, a lot higher. It's up in your neck. Um, it requires a ton of mobility. So I, I haven't researched and I don't know the ramifications of what a fusion would do there. I don't know if that would help restore function or not. Um, but here's the way I would look at it. Um, you know, this goes into a lot of our decision-making process that we've done before. Um, and it goes in that two different things. You know, we have that for decision-making, it's the, the P's, the, the five mm-hmm. P's. But the other part we talked about when we talked about the five P's is kind of the flip side of that. We talked about this a lot as well is your gut. It's like, to me, that's the biggest one in this because I sought out a bunch of medical advice before I had my fusion. And every single medical professional I sought out told me not to do it. Mm. And it was like, I'm not okay living the way that I was living. Um, I need to restore function. And if there's a risk to it, there's a risk to it, but I'm not okay not being able to pick up my kids and, you know, and this is where, you know, it's individual and that's why it's your gut type thing. And there's no easy answer to this thing. It's like somebody saying, should I quit my job? Like I can, I can't tell you whether you should quit your job or not. You got to like rely on your gut and, uh, you know, listing out the pros, listing out the cons is not going to do it because one pro could outdo every single con and vice versa. 
you know, that one con could be like surgery goes bad and now mm-hmm. I'm paralyzed from on my right side. Well, if that's the thing and you're not willing to go through that risk, like that's you and like we need to, that's a real thing that might weigh out every single possible positive. Other people might go, no, like that 1%, that's not a big thing for me or that if it's a 5% of that, like I, you know, I'm willing to do that. So um, I wish I could give a better answer, particularly the fact that I went through this myself. Um, but it really does just come down to that gut feeling, do all the research, understand um, what it's going to look like, um, get some really good options for working with really, really high medical professionals. That is the thing I was the most excited about was I had such high level confidence in the doctor that was going to perform the surgery from um, knowing other people that had worked with that doctor and the success that they had had. So that's what gave me so much confidence. Um, and if you can get to that point, maybe that helps sway things one way or the other. Because if you can't get to that point, you're like, I don't know about this doctor. You know, he feels mm-hmm. like the doctor on The Simpsons. You're like, uh, yeah, let's uh, cut you up and do the surgery. Then, you know, <laughs> that might be enough to sway one way or the other. Yeah. I also yeah. like, you know, just like that, uh, was it um, that this was put into the think category and not the recover mm-hmm. category, which is just mm-hmm. kind of neat from our listener because our listeners get to pick which category they put these in when they do the email thing to you, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So they that's do. cool that you put that in the think category. It's like understand this isn't just about recovery. This is about, um, you know, the thought process behind it. Uh, love it. Thank you. Thank you f- to uh, those of you who send us questions, at, as uh, Ben just alluded to. Uh, if you get on the email list, www.chasingexcellence.email, we'll send you a link to a form and you can submit your own question for a future episode. We thank you in advance. We are going to jump into a workout. We're going to review one of our frameworks. Really excited to get into it. But first, a word of thanks to a couple sponsors. We're brought to you this week by Factor Meals. How are those nutrition-focused resolutions going, my friends? If less than great, perhaps Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery service is what you need to turn things around. Head to factormeals.com slash excellence50, the number 50, to learn more and to forget about grocery shopping, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Factor delivers chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals right to your door, and I've got to tell you, the food is so very good. We've tried a handful of different options here at the house over the last few weeks, and there hasn't been a dud in the bunch, and we are excited to get more of it soon. With over 35 options every week and over 55 weekly add-ons, there's always something new and delicious to try. Their meals cater to different dietary preferences, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and more. Factor is also flexible to your schedule. You can adjust your orders from four to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. The best part, their meals are ready to heat and eat in just a few minutes, saving you time and stress. Head to factormeals.com slash excellence50 and use the code excellence5050 to get 50% off. That's right, 50% off with the code excellence50 at factormeals.com slash excellence50. Give Factor a try. Make your meal planning stress-free without sacrificing taste or variety. I'm serious. The food is really good. <laughs> uh, we're also brought to you this week by Neurohacker. Have you heard of Senolytics yet? Let me tell you about Neurohacker's Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com excellence to learn more. Save some money on your first order. Taking Senolytics is like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off of a plant. 
but instead for your body, removing those worn out cells that are just taking up space. Leaving them as they are, senescent cells can cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and pains, slow workout recovery, sluggish mental and physical energy, and more of those middle-aged feelings that nobody has time for. Qualia Senolytic is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and backed by top scientists. The best part, they offer a 100-day money-back guarantee, so there's zero financial risk to try any Qualia formula. If you want to reset aging at the cellular level, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash excellence for up to $100 off. Use the code excellence at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash excellence and use the code excellence for an additional 50% off. Okay, we did this last month. We are beginning to, I'm really excited about doing this, over the course of the next few months, maybe the next year, I don't know. Uh, we're going to revisit some of the bigger frameworks that you and I have introduced, had conversations around uh, over the years of having, uh, of doing this show. Uh, and so last time we did this, we did the five P's of decision making. This week, this month, we're going to look at uh, awareness, intention, action, something we originally dubbed the three guiding principles. So I'm going to get into each one of those. But I, I thought about, as I was thinking about this conversation, I realized that there was actually probably something we should have done in the episode where we did the five P's of decision-making, which is I'd love to just know how you think about implementing frameworks in your life. We talk about frameworks all the time. It's right in the beginning of the show. Where one of the things we try to do here is introduce and uh, explore different frameworks that we can all use uh, to chase excellence, to live a healthy and happy life. But I'm just curious, like, I don't know that we've ever, I've ever asked you, like, how do you actually take a framework, let's just, we can use uh, uh, awareness, intention, action to get into this conversation. How, but how does it live other than as an intellectual exercise and uh, something for you and I to, to talk about? How does it live in real life in, uh, you know, in your day to day life? Okay, so uh, a framework, the purpose of a framework is to um, turn something from complex into simplicity. Mm -hmm. That's the idea behind it is, you know, health, if you were to you know, scroll the Instagrams, if you were to go on WebMD, if you were to kind of check through, you know, talk to a bunch of um, medical professionals and or fitness enthusiasts and or biohackers or whatever it might be, um, you're going to get this really convoluted, complex, um, conflicting information about what health is. One person's mm -hmm. going to say, you got to do ice baths. Other people are going to say, you got to take these supplements. Other people are going to say, well, it's all about um, not having any toxins. Other people are going to say, it's about what you, how you sleep. Other people are going to say, you know, stare at the sun or red light therapy or like, it just goes on and on and on. And if you're not vegan, like uh, you're not going to make it. So it's, it's about taking something that's really complex and boiling it down to its essence, its most simplest form. So that's what we've done with health, right? It's what we're trying to do with this show in general is just um, create and um, distill these complex um, things down into its simplest form. So when we say uh, a fulfilled life, we're saying it's this. When we say mm -hmm. health, we're saying it's that. When we're saying... Um, this awareness, intention, and action—it's a—it's a framework, and the way we're saying this is guiding principles. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where we want to start. So could we use this for anything? Could we use it to um, get off of substance abuse? Yup. Could we use it to become a better student? Yup. Could we use it to try to back squat four hundred pounds? Yup. 
But the way we're looking at this is if we're trying to chase what truly matters, how do we decide what truly matters and how to chase it and then go do it? That's what this whole thing is about. So it's, um, it is truly that they are guiding principles and principles are shortcuts to, um, use to help guide you along the way. So think of it as like, almost like, uh, you're bowling and you put you like you with your three-year-old and you put up those things on the side. What are those inflatable things? Those guardrails so that you stay on track. That's what principles can help us do. So this is what awareness, intention, action does is most people are on relatively, and myself and you included, right? Say most people, it's like, it, we're on autopilot. Like we're on, like we're just, there's a default operating system that is running the human uh, mechanism from your mind to your body to everything else. It's just like, we're just going through life on autopilot. And if we are able to create this awareness, and we'll go into each of these things again, but same with the framework thing. If we're able to create this awareness, you can pop out of the matrix. You can pop out and truly make more elevated decisions, have a better understanding of what is the thing that's going to move the needle for you instead of just riding, you know, we said this before, but instead of being a leaf blowing in the wind. That's just like has no control over the way my life unfolds. It's just all these external circumstances push me in one direction or the other. Well, that's what awareness does is goes like, wait a minute, there's a fan over there. I could turn that thing off or I could turn the direction and then I'm going to be blown this way and that would be maybe more productive. And that's what the intention comes in is like, wait a minute, I could actually make this plan. I could actually go do this thing. And then the last piece is obviously the action, which is... Um, nothing, everything else is just feel goods and everything else is just theoretical until you actually put it into practice, mm-hmm. you know, and the obvious, the most big, the most obvious example of this, well, I'll give a couple is, uh, people that meditate or people that, uh, read a lot. There are a lot of people that meditate kind of for the purpose of either their spiritual ego, cause they feel more, um, um, elevated, they feel it's a they feel more better than the next person because they meditate, or they become want to become better meditators. Like that to me is not what for what. Like the purpose of meditation is to be able to bring that into your actual life and bring it into action. Like it's that. And then reading is the same thing. People read to finish a book because they like the the dopamine response of that accomplishment of like, I have now read a book and I've, instead of reading the book to learn from the book and implement it into our lives. So that's where the action part comes into this. So this framework of awareness, intention, action is one of the ones that my wife and I fall back on all the time in conversations. Um, She uses it in her kids program. Mm. I think that, you know, probably second to um, eat, sleep, train, think, and connect for the five factors of health. I think this is probably, um, it, it pro- well, in terms of the, it goes ahead of that because you need to understand this before you get to that. But in terms of impact on my life, those two frameworks are probably two of the more powerful ones that um, I've come to realize and, and put into, put into, um, a part of my life. 
Love that. Okay, so let's let's dive into awareness, intention, action, and I'd love to kind of uh, keep in mind maybe how maybe ex- stories of examples of or just theoretically how they do how it does show up in your life um, as we go. But let's start with uh, awareness as since it's the place we start. Um, what does that mean? What are we talking about? Why is it the beginning of these? Why is it the first of these three guiding principles? Okay, so as I just talked about, like we're on autopilot. Uh, and if you don't override, it, you're not supposed to not be on autopilot. You're supposed to run on an algorithm, which is inputs in equal outputs out. That's the way we work. But we don't have to. You're not born this way, but we don't necessarily need to operate that way. And it's not the, a very optimal way to live. But if we want to elevate... We need a certain level of awareness to be able to do that. What the heck am I talking about? Okay, so you are living your best life. You're in a good mood. You're doing your thing. All of a sudden, you pick up your phone. You check your last post, and you see the first three comments are um, negative towards you. You know, first one is like, "Whoa, Patrick is packing on the pounds." Hey there, chubby. Next one is something like, who the heck does this guy think he is telling us what to do, right? Next one is like, um, Patrick isn't as smart as he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we were going along, doing our thing, doing our best self. And then this external factor came in and triggered us. If we have awareness of that, we can work with it. Otherwise, what happens is you start going down into the sewer cycle because we've talked about this before, but what happens is trigger happens. Subconscious, not conscious, a subconscious thought comes in, which is rooted into your biology, into your DNA for survival mechanisms. You hear those things and it triggers you because the subconscious thing that's built into us is the tribe doesn't like me. You're going to die because the tribe is going to kick you out and you're going to die from exposure. So from that subconscious thought, you have an emotion. You feel that emotion, which is um, anger, which is frustration, which is fear, which is um, disappointment, which is sadness, which is whatever it might be. But you feel that. If you hold on to that feeling, there is a physiological response, meaning that your literally what happens is you switch from the parasympathetic nervous system, the feel goods, the rest and repair, the relax into fight or flight. The tribe is going to kick me out. Time to freaking go. Either run, freeze, um, or fight. That's okay for short periods of time. Yes, ice baths can be beneficial because they put you into this hormesis, this intentional, short, acute stress. What's not good is chronic stress. If you have these things looping on themselves where you're in constant stress, you get sick. Your arteries get smaller. You have a harder time getting blood to working areas. Blood leaves your gut. Your microbiome gets disrupted. Your immune system gets suppressed. This is, a, this is the thing. So if you don't have backing up, if you don't have awareness that you were triggered, 
you are on autopilot and you're getting sick. That's what's happening. If you have awareness that, oh my gosh, I was kind of doing okay. And then all of a sudden something happened that made me feel sad. That's the where you want to go. When your feeling changes, do you have awareness? This is this has been so popularized. Emotional intelligence. Do you have the intelligence to understand your feelings? If you have this uh, this EQ, not IQ, intellectual, this emotional intelligence, then you can start to have awareness of what triggered you. Just the awareness level of, ooh, I read that thing, that thing triggered me. And then the intellectual ability to not just go on the default subconscious pattern, but to have the idea that goes, whoa, that's weird. That feeling isn't serving me right now. And I realize it's part of my biological mechanism for built into me for survival things that doesn't exist in society anymore, but it's still part of my evolutionary past, which is a part of me. I can rewire this. And the attempt after attempt after attempt, the intention trying to do it over time, over time, and over time, and doing it, do it, do it, do it, do it, eventually gets you to the point where those feelings come in, it hits your shit, you get over it, and you're done. But you don't hang on to it for minutes, hours, days, or weeks. Let's give another example. As you said, let's tell the stories. Mm -hmm. You get a message from one of your coworkers, either it's one of your employees or it's a boss or somebody that says, Hey, Patrick, first thing Monday morning, can we chat? How are you feeling? Like recognize that. Well, is that serving you? If you hold on to that through Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and into Monday morning, and you hold on to that anxiety, that stress for the whole time, that's not hormesis. That's not E-stress, E-U stress, that's not the good stress. That's not the working out. That's not the public speaking. That's not the um, starting the side hustle. That's not the um, ice bath. That's not the good stress. That's the chronic kind that kills us. So we all have these people, and I'm just using this as one small example of where awareness, intention, action can live in our lives because we could use this in terms of, um, what do I want to do for my career? Do I have awareness, intention, and action for that? But this is once this framework overlaps onto everything that we're doing in our lives. How do we become healthy? Well, you need awareness, intention, and action. How do we become healthy? Well, you'd have to know, you have to, well, you have to have awareness that it's how you eat, sleep, train, think, and connect. If you only think it's about taking medicine, you will not get healthy. You have to have that level of awareness to understand that it is bigger than that. Well, now that you know, and you have the awareness that's how you eat, sleep, train, think, and connect, how are we gonna implement that into our lives? What's our game plan? What are we gonna do? What's the strategy? And the action is go do that thing. Here's where it falls into the highest level. We want fulfilled, happy lives. Like that's what we want. We wanna be able to look back on our life and go, I'm glad I spent my time doing that thing. Most people don't get there. Why not? Because they're doing things, they're never creating, they're, never, they're not following the steps. Instead of popping up out of the matrix and going, what truly, what truly matters to me? They just go based off of 
the dopamine, society, what their parents said, something else, and they chase that thing. That's the equivalent of you know every time you leave the casino, you feel like crap. But sitting at the slot machine feels so damn good. Mm-hmm. So you just pull it again and you pull it again and you pull it again. But eventually you leave the casino and you're full of regret and despair. That is us not having a level of awareness that us pulling on this slot machine, even though right now it feels good, is not serving us in the long run. We need that level of awareness of what the things are that actually create joy. And it's not the dopamine-filled thing of what's next, what's next, what's next. People think that dopamine is from like the achievement. It's not. It's the anticipation of achievements. That's a big, big difference. It's that, oh, we're going to get this thing. Oh, we're going to get this thing. It's that is the thing that we can't just default to. If we have the level of awareness that, nope, you know what actually is the thing? Hard conversations. When I, when I get done with a hard conversation, you know, Hours after that, maybe the next day, it's like, I feel lighter. Like, that's the thing. You are now out of the casino feeling better. The, it was hard. Man, like nobody wants to go do that thing. You know what else? Like working out. Mm-hmm. You know what else? Not hitting the snooze alarm. You know what else? Like um, working on my business. You know what else? Like um, having the, the, the difficult parenting things that aren't fun to do. But those are the things that actually, it's the its an understanding that a lot of these things require short-term sacrifice for the long-term fulfillment. That's the awareness. That's the framework we want to be operating with, not just what everyone else is doing. I say everyone else, like, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. other people might be doing what we might be doing if we didn't have this framework, which is... Right now, like what, what is it right now? Well, I, I want to I earn $100,000. Why? Because it's the anticipation that you're going to feel better when you get there. It's that anticipation that when you leave, the, the next pull on the slot machine is going to get you that thing. Is that really the thing? And to do some research, the level of happiness levels between people that win the lottery and people that become paraplegics as adults is the same. What we think makes us happy does not necessarily make us happy. So we got to do some work to create the levels of awareness of the way we are operating every day. And this is the framework to do that. Truly, what is the things that are going to work for me? Not what mom said, not what dad wanted, not what the Instagram is telling me, like, do some introspective work, which can be really challenging, but create that level of awareness. Create the game plan. What is that thing that's going to get me there? And then go to work, bro. Like, do the work. That's the action. Um, it re- makes me think about something you mentioned in our last episode. You gave us, like, a, a single sentence prescription for each one of our five factors. And and for the think category, you said, be curious and not judgmental. So I, I bring that up to just ask, like, in the, in the awareness part of this process, in the awareness part of these three, you know, this particular framework, 
it strikes me as really important to bring to that awareness curiosity and not judgment. Because judgment can be a great big wall we put in the way of understanding. And if we put something in the way of understanding, we put in the way we we set something up that is in the way of our intention and certainly in the way of our action action. But if we put curiosity into it, then we're we're in a, a state, a mindset where we can say, oh, interesting. Why? Okay, maybe that's why. What am I going to do about that now that I've gotten uh, a little bit better or a little bit clearer understanding of why I'm doing this, why I'm responding this way, why I was triggered in this particular way. So I think that's really important to remember is that it's not, it, it is awareness for awareness's, awareness sake, but bring to that awareness the right weapon. <laughs> and in this case, that right weapon is curiosity. It's a question mark. Because only with that question mark can we then go to the next step or certainly easier, which is that, okay, got it. Now what this, now I'm going to implement that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's twofold. I think it's curiosity. Um, and I think it's perspective. Mm. Um, so the curiosity one, absolutely judgment is going to be our enemy, um, to fight that. We want to fight that enemy with a weapon of curiosity. You're absolutely right. And to the point of that sequence of the way that the mind works, which is trigger, subconscious thought, emotion, and then physiological response. That what we want to do is question emotions. That's what, exactly what you're saying is don't just take them for granted. Like, um, um, here's an example, a personal example of this awareness, intention, and action. Um, I started to become aware that when we would, as a family start packing to go on a trip, I would start to get pissed off. I would get mm. really frustrated. Um, and I would, um, to the point where, you know, for the first 30 minutes of the car ride, I probably wasn't, you know, as friendly and as uh, awesome to be around as I could have been otherwise. And I started to, I started to question, I started to go like, I knew, I knew why, but th that's wrong. Because what I said was, I'm mad because it's taking Heather, my wife, so long to get ready. That's why I'm pissed. And what is the deal with her? Instead of, why does that make me mad? Like, why does her taking longer than I want make me mad? And when I started to question this a little bit more, I actually really kind of observed it for a while. And what I realized was happening. So first off, she has a different upbringing than I did. And my thing was um, when it was time to go as a family, it was like mom and dad were like, let's go guys, get in the car. And we got in the car. It was like, hey guys, we're going to leave at 1230. We were in the car and we were leaving at 1230. Um, Heather's family is, they're like, uh, her dad is like a, a preparer. Like he's like super organized. He still has... Uh, you know, um, assembly instructions for his VCR that he had in 1989, <laughs> like, yep. you know, on a file, hard copy. It's like super, you're like, um, hey, Bill, do you have a Allen wrench? He's like, you know, yep, it's in the third <laughs> drawer marked Allen wrenches. You know, it's like super. So Heather's default is before she packs up, She so she loves... Um, and I love living in this this way. She's super, or she's super neat. 
like our kitchen, there's mm-hmm. nothing on our shelves. There's not a toaster. There's not a coffee maker. There's not a napkin. It's empty shelves except for two fruit baskets. There's nothing. There's nothing else on our shelves, which is awesome. And I love that. Yep. And when I watched this for a little bit and I was curious about why I was getting so pissed and I really watched her get ready because in my mind, she's just distracted and she doesn't, she doesn't have time management. She's bad executive function. She doesn't, she's selfish and she doesn't care what time we leave. That's the story I'm telling myself. Instead, <laughs> when I was curious and really watched it, what I realized was that's her cleaning and organization time. Mm. She is where she takes the really when we're packing up, she doesn't put things in a bag to go like I do. She takes things out of a shelf and then organizes the whole shelf. She takes things out of a drawer and then organizes the whole drawer. She puts things out of a bag that was there from something else, puts it away, and then straightens up everything else next to it. And what I realized was I value living in a clean, organized house more than I do leaving on the time that we said instead of 18 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And me getting frustrated at that is not only a um, something that doesn't serve me, it's actually a disservice to the thing I actually value. Yep. So I was like, that, that's, that stopped being a trigger for me. I was like, I want her to like, go do your thing. I'm going to find something else to use up my time knowing that we're going to be 18 minutes late. And I'm just not going to get frustrated with this thing because it's a thing that actually works for me. Mm-hmm. So that level of awareness, all of a sudden, repro that's the reprogramming. We are not algorithms A equals um, A in equals B out. You get to rewire that thing. The way we get to rewire that thing, other than other animals, if a... If a deer hears a loud boom, it startle flinches. It doesn't get to think about that. Sometimes it runs right into traffic. It doesn't serve that animal. What we get to do is go, that thing triggered me. Wait a minute. I get to actually like decide how this plays out because we are cognitive beings. We're the only ones that get to think thoughts about our thoughts. Mm. Every other animal is just <clears throat> reactive we actually get to not just react, we get to question our reactions and choose a different response. This is popping out of the matrix and actually figuring out that we don't need to be upset, frustrated, or triggered by certain things if we don't choose to be. We really, really don't. And we start with the small things, right? Which is someone cuts you off in traffic, which is um, the workout isn't your best workout, which is you didn't PR today, which is um, boss said, you know, um, can you um, do another revision on that? Like all those things that used to really set us off. Let's just start to work with those things. So that's a curiosity, but to pull up all the way back, the perspective thing as well is the idea of like, when we leave the casino, like, like when we, when we are looking back on this, this is the other part we want to have. When we are looking back, is this the way, is, is, is this what we want? And, you know, the easy part of that is, is the saying, you, you know it, everyone knows it. If it, um, if you're not going to remember this in five years, don't give it five minutes right now. That's mm-hmm. perspective 101, which is that guy cuts you off in traffic. You're not going to remember this in five years. Like, why are you letting this eat you up? 
You know when you're going to remember it? When you run him down, flick him off, ride his bumper, he slams on the brakes, you almost get in an accident, he pulls over, you pull over, and you have this fisticuffs, you know, and that's when you're going to remember it. It's not going to be a good thing to remember. That's you leaving the casino going like, why did I do that? Why did I, why did I sit there? Because it felt good in the moment. You were giving in to those animalistic impulses. We need to override those. We can override those. This is what a productive, fulfilled life looks like. What have you found to be the, the most effective mechanism for recognizing either, and I'm thinking recognizing sort of in retrospect, you know, maybe 30 minutes into that car ride where you're headed up to ski and you left later than you wanted. Like, is it, I mean, at this point, because it's with me, it's like, I kind of recognize it pretty quickly now. Like, oh, something's not feeling right. And then I can sort of work backwards and figure out what it was. But it, are there, are there, have you found effective means and methods by which you can start to review and say, okay, yesterday I was really disjointed. Can I start to figure out like, is it journaling? Is it meditating? Is it just sitting at the end of the day for 10 minutes and thinking about what happened today? How did that feel? Um, do you have any sense or any advice on where to begin for anybody who feels like, yeah, more often than not, I don't, I'm not popping my head up, uh, out of the matrix as much as I would like, or as effectively as I would like. Yeah. When I was training elite athletes, we used to have this, this saying, which is, um, champions have hindsight, um, in the present moment, mm -hmm. right? Which is with enough separation, everyone makes is level-headed and makes yep. the right decisions, right? Yep. So you go, oh, I probably shouldn't have run that guy down in traffic and got in my car and knocked him out. Like, oops, like now I'm spending a night in jail. Like I wish I hadn't done that. Like champions, the same thing with an athlete. Athlete goes like, man, I really wish I hadn't lost my crap on that referee. I wish I had just kind of like let that go and stayed really focused on the game and you know what we were trying to execute as a team instead of totally getting thrown off and totally getting rattled and getting kicked out of the game. Like, oops, like champions operate with hindsight in the present moment. So how do we do that? And it's becoming aware of when you're you know, the way Heather and I say it is, and sorry if you're in the car with the kids, but um, it's when your shit gets hit. Like you feel your shit getting hit. Like something inside of you changes. I feel it in my stomach. Heather feels it in her chest. Other people feel it in their temples or their neck gets tight or there's tension or they clench up or they, they something, you feel something. Something I really, changes. I get tired. You Wow, crazy. Yeah. You yep. get, so when you feel that, Here's the thing, like when you feel that, as you're to point, curiosity, question it and question it and go, okay, what made me do that? And most of us can get that real quick. If you just go like, mm -hmm. what, what caused that? Well, it was my boss saying like, we got to talk Monday morning. Okay. How does that help Ben? Like just that. And then you just like, just that awareness that right there pops you out of it's it sounds like nothing. That pops you out of the default operating system of the subconscious mind running the show. What you're doing is going out of being an animal into a human being. That's crazy bonkers so far advanced. Mm -hmm. Like just that idea of like, wow, I felt my stomach feel weird when my boss sent me that text saying we got to talk on Monday morning. That triggered that thing for me. Okay. 
I don't necessarily need to worry about that right now for the next 72 hours till Monday morning. Um, and when I feel that pop up, I'm going to try to like work through it. That's the idea is like, I'm going to try to work through it. Now, this is like, we're taking awareness, intention, action into a very narrow thing, which is working when you're, uh, you basically, you get rattled. But again, just to zoom back out again, this is not awareness, intention, action for mental toughness. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation right now. Awareness, intention, action happens for everything. What should I do for a profession? Where should I be spending my time? What do I want with my life? Um, every, all of these big, big, big things that we want to do. This is the framework that we want to operate with at all times. So I used to think that the most important question we could ask ourselves is what's the most, what should I be spending my time on right now? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's in with perspective, hindsight, what is, where should, how should I be spending my time right now? Well, if you're just on default operating system, you're going to go for immediate gratification 100% of the time. I'm going to eat the cookie. I'm going to watch Netflix. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to, um, whatever it might be, right? It's that doesn't necessarily serve us in the long run. So we need that level of awareness. And that's, I'm, I'm repeating it again, but that's where it comes in. Can we have enough perspective when we're asking that question? Where should I spend my time? Yes, that's the right question, but we have to know to, to serve what? And it can't be to serve the immediate gratification of the moment. It has to be in service of something bigger. I believe that something bigger is a, the totality of a well-lived life. And from that perspective, what does a well-lived life look like? With that level of awareness, now we can go back and go, okay, I feel really tired when my wife said that to me. Is it worth me feeling tired, frustrated, angry, um, resentful, um, anything because she said that to me? Nope. And then if you go really deep, it's because, you know, um, you know, my mom was really controlling. And when my wife told me to do the dishes, I was like, you know, this resentful thing came up and bubbled up. It has nothing to do with my relationship with my wife whatsoever. It's because of the operating system, the behaviors that have been gra- you know, ingrained into us, not only through our lives, but through the, the hundreds and thousands of years of human evolution that when certain things happen, it means you know, that we're either in physical, emotional um, danger, we're going to be kicked out of the tribe or whatever it might be. It's built into us. And we have to recognize what's serving us and what is not. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. That was great. Thank you. Uh, I'm excited to continue, uh, as I keep saying, uh, revisiting these frameworks. So um, look forward to that in the months to come. We've got a recommendation roundup coming. But first, a quick word of thanks from a sponsor. We're brought to you this week by OneSkin. OneSkin is a company that's all about scientifically proven skincare. Visit oneskin.co. Learn more about their unique peptide called OS1, which targets lines and wrinkles right at the cellular level. This isn't just another skincare routine. It's a real scientific breakthrough. I've been using OneSkin's products that I can personally vouch for their effectiveness. They're easy to use and they fit right into my regular skincare routine, which before OneSkin used to consist of have a face, might shower. 
Uh, and here's the best part for a limited time. OneSkin is offering you fine folks an exclusive 15% discount. Just use the code excellence at checkout uh, on oneskin.co. That's oneskin.co. Use the code excellence for 15% off of your purchase. Make 2024 the year you give your skin the scientifically proven love it deserves and do so with OneSkin. All right, shout out, slightly different shout out, but I really like this. This came in through uh, the newsletter, www.chasingexcellence.email. If you've got a shout out for us, you can just leave it there and I will also see it um, instead of sending us notes on Instagram or leaving us Apple uh, podcast reviews. This is from Kate, a little bit long, but I kind of like the whole thing. So I'm gonna read the whole thing. Uh, She says, on a previous episode, Ben answered my question about getting my non-injured shoulder to be as strong as the other previously injured one. He amusingly responded with something like, break the other one and get surgery. I remember that. Uh, Well, between the time I submitted the question and the time that you guys answered it, my weak shoulder missed a squat clean uh, and it landed on my clavicle and broke it. I'm only a few oh weeks into the recovery God. process. Yeah. But I know it's going to, co- that, that is going Manifesting. to come back. Manifesting. That was terrible. Yeah, Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault, Ben. Uh, but I know it's going to come back strong. Balanced with the other one. Uh, please tell Ben, thank you. I knew there had to be a hack, but I didn't expect it to be turned out to be this one. Okay. And as just an aside, and this is more the shout out that I wanted to highlight. Just as an aside, in a couple months, I'll be 67. In the last two years, I busted my right shoulder, dealt with breast cancer, blew out my meniscus, broke my clavicle on the left, and trained my ass off through it all. Nothing new here. Been doing this my whole life, have always loved exploring the limits. My point is this, age 65 or any number for that matter, need not be a qualifier for what we can do and not do like sprints or a benchmark workout at full speed. Fitness is the measure and perhaps the ability to heal. By following Brent's, uh, Ben's prescription, I seem to be healing at the rate of a quote unquote normal athlete. So when people tell me after a certain age, blah, 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 all the things around, uh, all the things around slowing down. I say, why? I play, I break, I heal, repeat until done. Also, a few years ago, I had osteopenia in my hip. Now it's gone. My bones are getting stronger. My muscles are getting stronger and bigger. My mind is getting stronger and my creativity and ability to learn is the best it's ever been. The stigma of being limited by a quote unquote certain age will eventually change. Love you guys and wishing you all the best for 2024. What a badass. Love yeah, that. So we're yep. adopting Kate. So thanks. Thanks, yeah, Kate. Kate. Shout out to you. <laughs> all right we're gonna do a recommendation roundup i will go first to give you a breather because that was a, a lot you just gave us and i didn't i didn't plan on this but this is this fits right in with what we just talked about awareness intention action uh and it just happened this morning and my recommendation uh briefly is to apologize to your kids when you need to <laughs> mm. we uh and to bring it a little bit into the awareness intention action we as we often do uh had a harried morning of getting ready for the bus and eating breakfast and getting dressed and all the things. And my six year, almost seven year old is sometimes just kind of out to lunch in the morning. He just, he's not, he doesn't wake up quick. He doesn't eat quickly. And and when a bus is coming, it's, uh, it can be a little bit, it can be, and we've talked about this, it can be a bit frustrating. It can be a bit um, uh, challenging to get ourselves out there. And and so I was, I, I was short with him today and I, I was, I was uh, louder and, and more insistent than I usually am. Uh, I did not have any chill this morning is another way to put that. Mm. And, uh, and we got out to the bus fine. We always do. We got out there with five minutes to spare. And I and just he and I, we went to, we were at the top of the driveway and, and I said, Hey buddy, I'm sorry. I was, I, I got way too frustrated way too easily today. And I think it's really important to recognize the moments when we as parents aren't bringing our best selves to the table <laughs> and, uh, and to model and to demonstrate <clears throat> that it's okay to say like, Hey, screw that up. That's on me. 
that was not your fault, though I would like you to listen to me a little bit, <laughs> a little bit and move a little bit faster in the morning. Uh, there was no need for me to get as frustrated as I did. Because, and I even see it in him and even in my almost four-year-old, like there's real resistance to apologizing when you mess something up, whatever it is. Maybe it's because I'm a guy and they're two boys. Like maybe it's some, maybe it's just us. The part of our kind of our yeah. DNA and our genetics is we're, we're stubborn. But I, but I see it in them already, the resistance to say like, to say sorry when they know they should say sorry, whether it's for whatever number of reasons. And so my recommendation is for folk, for parents out there is to recognize uh, when it's appropriate, as often as we say, hey, sorry, say sorry to your brother for taking his toy, for pushing him, whatever. As often as we say that, we should say that to ourselves as well. And I'll bring it just a little bit back to awareness, intention, action, because the reason as we were walking out on the driveway to the bus stop, the reason I was like, I need to apologize for this is because I realized really quickly, I had, there was, I had not, I was not frustrated with him in any way. I woke up too late to get a workout in. Mm -hmm. I woke up too late to get a workout in because I stayed up too late watching a stupid television show. Mm -hmm. I was frustrated that I didn't have my usual like 45 minutes or an hour to sort of like enter into the day like I prefer. And instead, like I woke up and 10 minutes later, I was getting them moving and trying to get breakfast made and lunches made and all that. That's why I was frustrated. He didn't do anything different than he ever does. And we got out to the bus with plenty of time like we always do. And so uh, important to recognize, important to recognize what we just talked about, important to have this awareness so that when it's appropriate, <laughs> we can say, sorry, that's not your fault. I didn't need to do that. That was on me. I'm frustrated for, no, for my own reasons. It's not you. And so just kind of tying those things in. So my recommendation is for parents out there, say sorry, because... You ex we expect our kids to say sorry when they do something wrong. We should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, it's really good. Um, Heather's phenomenal at that. It's uh, mm. as she is with a lot of uh, communication type stuff and being vulnerable. Um, she's really good at recognizing when she's not bringing her best self, and she's really quick to do that. And to your point, um, our daughter follows suit, and she does that as mm. well. Our son, not so much. So I think that there might be some genetic, uh, some gender stuff um, yep. in there. You know, girls' uh, um, willingness to be vulnerable, guys, the masculine, don't show any weaknesses whatsoever. Don't say you were wrong because that mm -hmm. shows that um, you might be weak in some way. Um, but again, like that doesn't serve us. And man, what a way to move the team forward by showing levels of vulnerability and modeling the behaviors that you're looking for in your teammates by doing that as a leader. So um, kudos to you for that. Because you can imagine like, some, if you didn't have the awareness of that and you didn't apologize, like your kid is just like, okay, like that was kind of a, mm -hmm. a, a fire hose to the face. And then it happens again in four days later. And but just you saying that and drawing those connections, when it happens again, even if you follow through with the same behavior, there's another level. You're just like notching up a little bit. You're just like notching up as opposed to this straight line default thing. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's really cool, Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. It's way deeper and way more. That's a, such a better <laughs> recommendation than I want to come up with an even more like elementary and um, – no, but, you, you already uh, went my, deep for us. So you give yeah. give us something on the surface. All right. You, it is a good it's a self-help 
book, which is really good. And it's one of my rules is like, if, if you have the same book recommended to you um, two times, you should really mm-hmm. pick it up. And this one was, this was recommended to me three times before I got it. Um, and it's Hidden Potential by Adam Grant. Have you read it? Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. That came yeah. out last year. Yep. Um, it's really good. Yeah. I don't know if you recommended it back in the day. And, no, I, uh, I haven't read it. So yeah. no, I, that wasn't okay. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's almost the title of Unlocking Potential, which is the book that I wrote. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, his is really good. It's very different. Mine was business and leadership. His is just yep. about like more like uh, Malcolm Gladwell type stuff of like yep. how to become your best. Um, and it's uh, it's very in line with our conversations that we have. And there's a lot of things that uh, people will be hearing for the second time if they um, if they pick it up. Um, but it's a it's a really good book. And the reason that I definitely picked it up was because somebody that recommended one of my favorite, a couple of my favorite books, um, said that this was one of his top fives. Mm. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, I'll, I'll pick it up. Love it. That does remind me. Uh, so f- one of the things I want to do in the premium membership uh, that we just started this month is to do like a s- some version of a book club. Uh, yeah. And you mentioning hidden uh, hidden potential reminded me of that. So. I don't know what the answer is going to be. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know when we're going to start. But if you want to join us for whatever the Chasing Excellence book club does look like, uh, join us for the premium membership, www.chasingexcellence.email. Link is in the show notes. Join us. We're doing a bunch of stuff over there, stuff I'm really excited about, uh, conversations, connections, um, more uh, more content from us. So check that out if you are so interested. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. As always, Ben and I will be back next week for a new episode of Chasing Excellence.